Primary Care Knowledge Boost, COVID-19, Episode 1, Introductory Tips for General Practice. So hello everyone, we hope you're all keeping well and managing at this difficult time. We thought it'd be a useful idea to try and record and release an episode about coping and managing with COVID in primary care. Um, This is outside our normal release schedule, but it's to provide a small amount of help for everyone out there on the front line. Yeah, exactly. We'll hopefully be doing a series of these um, over the next few weeks to keep everybody up to date in primary care about what's going on. And we'll pause our normal release schedule in that time so that you can listen to these ones instead. Um, We've tried to make them short and snappy, um, something you can listen to quickly and easily without taking up too much of your day. As we're going through these topics, we'll be picking up on what's currently relevant in general practice. So um, we're going to keep you updated on particular topics um, that will be themed. So at the moment, we're thinking of doing an episode based all around meds management and um, an episode on telephone triage, potentially, um, or tips for video consults as well. Yeah. And thinking about some vulnerable groups like the elderly yes. and children and palliation, things like that. Um, yes. So we will cover a wide range of different things. Um, and if you um, if you have any thoughts, we'll tell you at the end how to get in touch with us um, so you can drop us your questions as well. Lovely. So with us on Zoom is um, Dr. Joanna Bircher and remotely as well is Dr. Viren Mitha. Would you like to both introduce yourselves and your current roles? Okay, hi, I'll start. I'm Joanna. Um, I'm a GP partner in Staley Bridge, which is part of Tameside and Glossop CCG in the northwest of England in Greater Manchester. Um, I've got a role in my primary care network in trying to lead our pandemic resilience um, response. And also I'm the clinical director of the GP Excellence Programme for Greater Manchester. So trying to support um, general practice across the patch. Lovely. And Viren? So I'm a GP in Stockport. Um, so GP partner at Cheetah Medical Practice. I'm also a PCN clinical director for our primary care network, and um, I'm also a clinical director at the CCG. In terms of COVID, um, I've sort of taken a bit of an unofficial role in Stockport, so just trying to pull together information for our practices um, and just trying to cascade that, really. I think we found that there's been a a bit of a pause or or often a delay in kind of national guidance reaching us. And then when when it does, there's kind of we're bombarded with lots of different pieces of information. So just trying to coordinate that and filter it a little bit. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I think we were saying that it felt like there was a, a bit of information overload and lots of emails and and just so much information at the minute out there about um, COVID and coronavirus. Um, so what do you think, what, why are we getting together to talk today? The aim for today, I think, is to help practices who are really feeling startled by the whole circumstance that we all find ourselves in and unsurprisingly practices are and particularly those practices that may be slightly less well networked Mm -hmm. and so that they can know how to get the basics right is today, how to get the practice set up, how to try to follow the um, standard operating procedures in a really practical way so that, you know, tips, tips for them. I think that's for our first episode what I'd love to focus on. Lovely. So um, if we first talk about strategy setup, can you talk us through what practices are being advised to do at the moment? There's a bit of um, kind of difference across various patches about what people have been advised. And I think um, we were very grateful to receive the standard operating procedures when they came out late last week. Um, But at the same time, some practices have already gone beyond what's in those, that SOP. So there is a bit of variation, I'd say, wouldn't you, Viren, at the moment? Yeah, so I think what we're finding is that national guidance, by the time it comes out, often feels like it's two to three days behind Mm -hmm. what we're experiencing on the ground. You know, one of the things I'd I'd say about today is almost now be planning for next week and a week after and some of the decisions that you might be having to take 
um, so that you're not then overwhelmed when, when, when you're kind of in the thick of it. Yeah, that sounds, I'd say, about right. So I think basically practices are now really being asked to do um, as much over the phone as they possibly can and try and minimise the patients actually coming into the practice. And I know some practices are doing that by putting a gatekeeper on the door or an intercom. Um, others are keeping the doors open, but being really clear about who, how many people can come in at a time or where they need to stand. Um, but actually, the basic principle of minimizing your footfall is the same as the principle for social distancing for all of us. So it's to keep that in mind whenever you're planning things in the practice. Um, social distancing helps to prevent spread, and that includes spread to our um, staff, who obviously we care about deeply, as well as um, to patients. Yeah. So that's that's important and there's lots of different ways of thinking about doing that aren't there so um, making sure everything's done over the phone trying to work out which tasks that we do in practice are really essential trying to work out what what has to be done with somebody in person and then if that there is a task that needs to be done how to do that as safely as possible yeah it might be helpful to um perhaps chat through what each of your two practices are doing at the minute so that people have an idea of what's happening out there yeah, that's great. Do you think, do you want to start, Vera? So I think one of the difficulties has been, you know, as this situation has, has evolved, practices will have already had patients booked in that may have booked in a couple of weeks ago. So how you manage those, I suppose, is, is the first question. So we actually got our receptionist to phone all patients who were booked in, asked whether they actually did need to come in, whether we could change it to telephone consultation. So we effectively have no patients now coming into the practice unless they've been triaged by a clinician first. So we're bringing very few people down to the practice at all. I think the other really key thing is signposting. So, and I think a lot of this is really is about changing the culture about how we manage patients. So as GP practices, you know, it's always been very easy before just to bring someone down and say hello to them and have a little chat and sort them out. Whereas actually in terms of protecting our patients and our staff, it's really about trying to say, is me bringing this person down and doing a face-to-face consultation going to dramatically alter their management and if it's not then I find another way to uh, to manage them so pretty much every request that comes in now is put on a, a telephone triage list one of the clinicians calls them speaks to them on the phone increasingly we're starting to use video consultation so again that's something that's quite new for a lot of practices yeah. um, but certainly our experience is very early in in the game that actually it can be really useful sometimes just to be able to see someone kind of uh, you know over a video connection and actually, the things that it helps with isn't the things that you might think of immediately. So we found with mental health cases, for example, just being able to have that eye contact and that kind of more human contact seems to really help. Mm-hmm. With children, quite often, just being able to see them running around in the background when you're talking to mum, again, just yeah. makes that, that big difference. Um, we're looking at things like rashes that I would never thought I would do over video, but actually mm-hmm. it can really help you to just... Get, get a bit of an eyeball is, is this a, is this a rush that I need to worry about or is this one that I that I don't I think the other difficulty is is that actually we're being advised that all patients that have a fever or a cough or a suspected COVID should be being referred to 111 and actually the experience I'm sure lots of us have is that 111 is just being overwhelmed and sometimes the difficulty is, is you've got patients waiting six seven eight hours to get a call back from 111 and the difficulty is to know quite what to do with them um, so some practices have held the line of saying absolutely everything goes to 111 but I think increasingly some practices are quite concerned about what do you do you know when you've got someone that you're a bit worried about yeah absolutely I think um, accepting that general practice is part of a bigger system is really going to be important for all of us and if we've got some capacity to be able to do some of that telephone um, assessment in terms of severity of illness over the phone or over video link then that's 
going to help the whole system, even if, um, you know, 111 is supposed to be set up for doing this. We've definitely been taking that on ourselves. Um, I think the challenge is when people deteriorate and and that we're fearful they might need admission to hospital, um, that 111 are so busy talking to everyone with mild um, to moderate symptoms that they're actually not able to pick up on that um, safe transfer to hospital. <laughs> so anything that any general practice can do to contribute to supporting them, I think is a good thing. Yeah, so one thing we've just launched today in Stockport is a community assessment service. So between our Out of Hours GP and our, our GP Federation, they're taking more of a role of, of assessing face-to-face um, patients with suspected COVID who aren't able to get a response elsewhere. Now, not every area will have that, but certainly you know, within PCNs, it's definitely worth people starting to have those conversations about well, what happens actually if we can't manage at one site is it sensible for all of us to be bringing these patients down to all of our practices and then all having to do deep cleans, etc.? cetera? Uh, one example that some PCNs are looking at is where you have a hot site in a PCN and then the, the other areas become sort of cold sites. Um, the other advantage of that is your staff who are at risk, you can start to move them to a cold site so they're not being exposed to the, uh, to sort of the, the potential face-to-face cases. Um, so that's the other part of this, obviously thinking about your staff and, how we keep them as protected as possible too. I think I'd need to add on to that though, the fact that we need to treat every person that we come into contact with as if they could be a COVID carrier. So yeah. um wouldn't want practices to be lulled into a false sense of security by that. I think anyone that you feel needs to come down for any kind of assessment, an urgent blood test, uh, maybe a disease modifying um, drug monitoring test or something that your practice may have decided is still part of essential um, general practice work. Um, your staff member needs to be in the PPE that we've been provided with in order to minimise any risk to them and to limit their exposure as much as possible. And that can be also simple tips like asking people who are coming in just to come on their own and not to bring um, a partner or friend or child with them. Um, And that's for other kind of face-to-face things that we've deemed to be still important, like childhood immunisations, that the child just comes with a single parent. Obviously, typically, often you know, several relatives come along or both parents or, but sensible social distancing. I think practices need to really try and embed that as um as a rule for their, their population. Yeah, I think what you say, John, as well, it makes sense because if you follow that, everything else will fall into place. Um, if you're working out how to keep that distance from people, then all the other stuff that you've talked about just comes naturally from that. And yeah, it does. I think the useful document that I think you're going to put a link on to that came out just literally this afternoon as we were preparing the podcast from the RCGP and the BMA, where they have colorated in their view what are kind of essential things to carry on with in, in general practice, what we should possibly continue with if you're able to. And if you, that means, I guess, if you've still got capacity, if you've got enough staff to deliver it. Um, and then those which just, you know, they can wait. You can find an alternative way of, of doing that rather than um, carrying on with that work to release some capacity. So you find things like smears come into that um, amber middle group. Mm -hmm. So it's maybe good to continue with them if you've got um, practice nurses who aren't, say, for example, isolating for any reason or in a vulnerable group themselves um, and you're able to offer that or you may need to risk assess it and offer those to, for example, people that have had a previously positive HPV and have been asked to come back for a repeat in 12 months or or a post-treatment smear. So um, having somebody in your practice or a, f- a few clinicians in your practice who are able to do that kind of 
um, risk assessment in discussion with the rest of the team so that everybody's on board with it can be really useful. One thing I would say, just keep talking, make sure you keep keep talking to your practice staff and um, the whole team members. They're likely to be a bit scared um, and they want some clear guidance from the GP lead and practice manager lead in terms of um, how you're going to keep them safe and what they should and shouldn't be doing. So we found um, Zoom really useful, even in the practice. We've had practice meetings with us sitting at our own computers with a webcam. So even if we're in the same building, we're not in the same room. And yeah. so there is, that's not the only um, platform out there. I've found it the best. So, <laughs> and I don't work for them, so I can say it. Um, find a way that you can at least keep touching base with each other regularly, daily to keep everybody up to speed and make decisions as a group yeah brilliant that's really helpful to have daily contact and have you built that into your practices in terms of a a, a scheduled time that you've carved out or what we tried to do is set up a daily huddle Mm -hmm. um so Mm -hmm. certainly the admin team have a sort of huddle at um, just before the phones go over around eight o'clock and then quite frequently we're having a sort of practice team meeting at um over lunchtime that seems to be the best time that people are, are available. Actually, what we found is with increasing amount of telephone triage, if anything, there's a bit more flexibility in the diary to be able to get together. So actually, yeah. we're finding that that you know people can touch base that little bit more. Uh, one little thing we've done is so if you telephone triage someone and you're not sure about whether you need to bring them down or not, we're suggesting that you discuss that with a second clinician. Oh. Um, just really to help protect people. So if you're deciding to bring somebody down, at least two people have made that decision. So it's a shared decision. And actually, if you're deciding to not bring somebody down that you might otherwise have done previously, again, it just gives that that shared decision making and um, yeah. and just makes everyone feel a bit more comfortable. And, and everyone's just having conversations. So actually, you find that actually we're, we're getting to a bit of a consensus about what we do and don't do. Yeah, that's great because it's a new way of working and actually it feels like the goalposts have all shift slightly and so sharing that's a really really useful way of kind of dealing with a, a different level of uncertainty I think at the moment. Yeah I think that's absolutely right and nobody really wants to be in a position where they're they're doing a physical examination on someone that they've not telephone triaged that someone else has allocated to them makes us all feel a little bit more anxious yeah. and yeah. so that I think that conversation that Vera mentioned is really useful. And that's another thing. At the moment, I'd say strongly, if if possible, if you are going to see people, it's ideally best to see people that you might have triaged, because that means you've already taken their history on the phone. When they come in, they can be in and out of the door within sort of a minute or so for you to do that that key examination. Yeah. And and I suppose you're managing kind of risk in, in your own way. I think that's one one example where actually it's really important that you come together as a practice and decide how you want to to run that because every practice may want to sort of handle that slightly differently we've certainly found the amount of face-to-face work that we're doing is really really reduced it's a handful per day and there are some really useful tips about the types of things that you might need to think about to avoid needing to bring people down so thinking about um alternative methods of contraception that might not need a blood pressure check or Um, If you were commencing somebody on something for their blood pressure, you had done choosing something that doesn't need um, blood test monitoring. There's some guidance that's also out over the weekend um, related to um, contraception methods in terms of how long is it safe to leave in an implant or um, Mm -hmm. how long can I leave it between depot injections. 
um, or thinking about moving moving over to um, oral contraception for people on depots like um, desogastrol that doesn't need blood pressure monitoring. So just th- kind of thinking about those things as a team and coming up with some decisions. What's your advice about home visits? I think that's probably important at the moment, do you think? I'll talk from Thameside and Glossop point of view because I know in in Stockport where everyone works they've actually got an acute home visiting service which not every area has got the benefit of so um, I'll talk from ours. It's very similar principles so obviously nothing that's not triaged, no face-to-face examination if you can do it by video or by telephone um, if you feel it's unavoidable, PPE um, and of course treat everyone as if they could be COVID carriers even if you're visiting for some other reason Uh, so just do what you need to do and leave and bag up your PPE and and you know get back and do any kind of planning over the phone with them later you'll find that so much can be done over the phone. And I said don't underestimate that actually some of these people you know who are in their 70s 80s even 90s they've got mobile devices they may not be able to use say your emis video solution but actually whatsapp mm. video lots of people do use facetime mm. lots of people use it, we've had guidance from nhs digital that's perfectly acceptable if you've not got any other any other way of, of, of contacting people so you know don't just assume that video is only for people in their 20s and 30s mm. the whatsapp videos is that would you have to run that through a practice phone so we got people to bring in their own mobile devices we reset them and we bought two SIM cards. We've got oh. Wi-Fi in the practice. Yeah. So actually, it's not people's own numbers that's being shared. Yeah. It's a practice number. Fabulous. That's great. Um, is there anything else for just this episode today that you want people to take away from? We'll obviously delve deeper into some stuff as the weeks go on. But is there anything today that you want people to take away? I guess it's really important for practices to be talking to their network and to their CCG, particularly around... Um, things like remote working so can they be provided with the facility for staff managers and clinicians to work from home where possible some of the practices in our network are staggering which clinicians are in the building even if those clinicians aren't required to self-isolate just because of the whole social distancing issue so if somebody can do all the telephone triage from home or do all the um, meds management or whatever it is that they need to do without physically coming into the building remember that is another reduction in social contact and so kind of think about it and try and get the resources around you to help set that up and viren my advice would be yeah absolutely so if you haven't already moved to a total triage approach then make sure you you're looking at that you know as soon as possible if you haven't tried a video consultation platform then try try one today there are lots out there lots of people are using Accurix already they've got a solution um, your own clinical system provider will probably have a solution as well mm-hmm. if you've not tried teleconferencing or video conferencing again there's lots of platforms out there try it give it a go and i think more than anything else use all of those tools to communicate with your staff um, you know lots of them will be feeling really anxious there's lots of things flying around social media and i think it, it, they will find it really helpful just to have that support from you and actually they'll probably share lots of ideas that you haven't thought of as well the other thing is obviously lots of people will be being bombarded on their phone lines at the moment so think about how else patients might be able to get that initial query into you so lots of practices across uh, greater manchester have had online consultations launched and activated but not everyone's using them i know joe's um had some experience at her practice of, of that but Again, just test it out and see how you might use that as your practice. And if that's not something you can use, you know, is there an email address that you can get out there to your patients so they could just 
email queries into you and take that pressure off your phone lines. That's a brilliant tip. Yeah, even if you don't use the online triage, if patients have got patient access, you can switch on the messaging function. We've been doing a lot of um, consultation using the messaging function. And if you have got access to Accurex, that um, Viren just mentioned, they've now opened a facility where a patient can reply to what you've um, to what you've sent, which can open up a text discussion. All gets documented in, immediately in the patient's medical record without any cutting and pasting. So there are much more flexible ways now um, of patients and clinicians and practices um, communicating. So yeah, go for it. Brilliant, fabulous, goodbye. Yeah, so that was a really lovely chat, wasn't it, Lisa? Um, it's interesting doing everything through zoom and it's obviously a a strange time but um, I know it's sad not to be sat there with everybody doing the chat but I think it's worked quite well yeah and it definitely has made me feel better yes exactly (laughs) yeah I can't wait to hopefully try and do it within our practice as well yeah I think there's some really useful tips in there about stuff like video calls and how I hadn't even thought about using it to kind of see how patients are in their environment and just get an eyeball of whether or not patient's okay yeah and trying to assess children um using video calls as well mental health they talked about uh, what was it that was really struck me oh how two clinicians as well sharing responsibility of decisions i think that's a really good yeah i think you made a really nice point during it about how um the the landscape is changing and how Mm. the goalposts are moving like you said and where i think gps are being asked to take on a lot more risk than maybe they would have before um Mm -hmm. so sharing that risk is a really nice idea um Mm. i think that was a really useful tip yeah to to help us all manage absolutely um and on that note um so um please do get in touch with us because we're going to be quite responsive to what the themes of issues are in general practice going forward so a really good way of getting in touch with us is on twitter and our handle is at pckb podcasts yep um you can um you can send us a message if you don't want to post uh, publicly on that um and let us know um what burning um, questions or, or issues you want us to try and focus on and hopefully they, these will be a great source of information going forward as we focus them on particular areas that are relevant to us exactly. um, oh and we'll put the survey link and it's an anonymous way um for someone if you want to get in touch you don't want us to know who you are um then please fill in the survey um and just put your feedback in that or ask your question in that and, and we'll take that on board as well yeah that drops us an email whenever somebody fills out a survey so thank you to everyone and i hope everyone's keeping safe and looking after themselves yeah definitely echo that until next time on primary care knowledge boost Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Greater Manchester in 2020. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.